I'm just want to say up front, I have a grudge against grape Kool-Aid. It is nasty. And I will continue to have a grudge against grape Kool-Aid. Grape Kool-Aid wasn't my favorite. Anything red. And was it strawberry? Wasn't cherry. I didn't like cherry. <laughs> Did we even know? They just changed the packet for us. No, so all the tell, red. Well, the strawberry, strawberry was a little lighter. Strawberry, water, water, strawberry, watermelon. Fruit right. punch was the sweetest. The sweet that was diabetes. tropical punch. Yeah, those. That was just in the blue. That was that was in the blue pack. So you be yeah, you be but off. it came out red though. It came it out red. Yeah, tro- yeah. So it would throw you off. But tropical punch. So it was. It was always one of those reds that was my favorite. I'm with you. I'm with you. It was never, but it was. Grape tastes like medicine. It did. It left a pillow on your tongue. I still have a grudge against grape, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> you know, let's work this out. We were trying to get that out since therapy. I wanted to get it off my chest you wanted to get up out. front. You want, you, want, you want to be able to let go of that you grudge know. that you have against. <laughs> okay. Welcome to All Up In Your Business Podcast, a place where two opinionated siblings come together to discuss black mental health issues in a raw, honest, and in-your-face manner. I'm Lovely. And I'm Light. Come with us as we explore black mental health highs, lows, and what the who do the eyes, ears, and mind of two siblings who are recovering every day, or at least trying to. Sit back and be prepared to shake your head, laugh, cry, and scream. Right. Let's begin the journey. Yeah, you, you started right in. It's like ready to go. I'm just saying. Hi, this is lovely. And this is your and this is or this is your boy like. <laughs> and we are hot messes on a Thursday. <laughs> and welcome to the podcast. All up in your business podcast. We thank you for joining us this week, good people. Uh as we continue to work our way through mental well-being and mental health topics. Uh, This week, we will be tackling the topic of grudges. (laughs) Those times, those moments, those days when someone, something pisses you off or a set of circumstances that didn't mean to come your way, like a car accident or uh, certain things happening in the community that just take you to an entirely different place. So we want to talk about that this week, and we're going to Start off by, you know, using our own examples, as we always do, but also referencing some of the different things that because I don't think we got a chance to talk about the what was the the was it Botham? What was the case with the, the young man who was murdered in his living room while eating ice cream? I can't remember. Gene Botham is, I think, what his name was. The gentleman. Yeah, that's what yes. you know, I don't really and- need to bring up. But we didn't get to talk about that. And so we're not going to, we, we, we could touch on that a little bit. Yeah. But then you have the situation. The community is holding. Yeah. As I said, yeah. then you could touch on the situation that just happened this past weekend where the cop goes in and, you know, kills the young, the, kills the young yeah, lady. Did they kill people through the window? Through a window for a wellness check. A wellness check. Man, they kept saying welfare. And I hated the term because the welfare seems like it's something has a negative connotation when you use yeah, the term but welfare. But she was playing video, video games game. with her eight year old nephew. And what this guy that? goes there, doesn't identify himself, and does it. So I, I was surprised they even bailed him. Uh, he, he he received bail and was out on $200,000 bail. And I'm thinking, like, you just murdered and changed and altered this Some, family's life. And that little boy had to see that. And it, it, I heard the mother talking. I heard the mother talking and said he was holding up. He was actually being strong for the rest of the people. But don't the kids always do that? Kids are amazing, you as know? you very well know. They have strong backbones, but then they turn into us. 
Exactly. Like, we're, the one, <laughs> we're the ones who are pessimistic and we'll be the ones who hold the grudge. <laughs> so, uh, but not, needless to say, so we'd like, we, we're, we're jumping off with some things and we, we jumped into a couple of topics, but uh, we want to touch on, uh, and I'm not going to go into this yet, but this is another good one. I'm, I, I want to touch on a few do things. Do no, 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 not yet, because as we talk grudges, we put together some material. We um, lovely as she always does. Uh, she set the, per- the perfect agenda uh, for the for the group and the team. Trying to sound like a grown up. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, on a serious note, we we just want to um, talk about and bring really um, our ideas and revelations with regards to holding grudges and you know what it does to you. You know how it shapes your family, how it shapes your your um, job, your community, when you're moving throughout life and how grudges prevent you from being your best self. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, I think so many people, we talk about not wanting someone to be in control of who we are and to have any hold on us. Mm -hmm. But when you hold a grudge against someone or something, it absolutely is controlling the way you think and how you feel. I used to tell individuals and I used to tell people and it's funny because I think most of all, many humans, I can say all, many many of the humans that I've come into contact with, we're control freaks. So we like to control ourselves and sometimes the environments that we find ourselves in. And one of the things that I used to do to, to, to help myself when it came to not holding grudges or moving beyond situations, I used to I realized at an early age that if I stayed mad at you, you were controlling me. Mm-hmm. If I entered into a room or entered into a place and I was happy until I saw you mm-hmm. and my mood changed at that moment and I could feel this, like the sickness or the, 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 how it burns within your, your chest, that heat, that fire, that intensity. And, you know, I remember feeling that way when I was younger, but then as I got a little older, I realized I have to stop letting people um, I had to stop letting people do that to me. I didn't want people controlling me. And so when you say it does something to you physically, I think it does something to you physically. I think it definitely hurts you mentally. And emotionally. Yeah. Whether did. you want it to or not. Yeah. Because that heat, it is something that you you can't even control it. It's like, it just shows up. <laughs> and you're like, that's not bothering me. But your whole body uh, is like... Yeah. Yep. Yes, you know, your nerves are at end. You know, we ha- we had this conversation the last time, <laughs> punches in the vein. But <laughs> when it really does cause a stress that is unnecessary mm-hmm. for yourself, and I'm not saying that you aren't allowed to dislike something or you're not allowed to, uh, you know, take yourself out of a situation that causes you harm or um, stress, but allowing something to control your life when you can take it back, you can take back your own freedom. It's just something that you should work on. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. And, and, and for me, as we deal with the topic of grudges, and I know you have some things spiritual in it, to me, it, it, it boils down to you getting to a place, uh, like you getting to a place where you realize when you hold this grudge, you're letting circumstances, you're like, you're like whether personal or societal, dictate your life you're allowing those something outside of you to control your emotional state and response and progression 
if you continue to allow this thing to impact you, whatever it may be, whether a person, like I say, a society, a cause, a movement, you you have to get to a place where holding on to this grudge is actually more detrimental to you. So I'm looking forward to to the questions that we're going to be going over today. And I'm looking forward to just the opportunity to uh, relive some of those places where I was actually successful in moving past a grudge and some of the places where I, you know, when I look back and think, you know what, I just didn't do that one right. And, 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 and not a do over, but even making peace with it today. And we'll be back. Like it. That's what's so happening. And we're back. And we're back. How about that? <laughs> My voice, right? Yes, your voice. Back. So okay. it says grudges are essentially an emotional process that becomes stuck and unable to move forward. As a result, people who hold grudges are often in a state of mental and emotional distress. So much energy is focused on negative and spiteful feelings that it overtakes the relationship altogether. So, we typically take this journey <laughs> down the path of, uh, I, I guess, it, uh, we, we talk about something in our past, when we were the or early years. Or even future. Down the early years. Because I think, depending on, you know what, the thought that came to my mind when, when we were preparing for this was, I, I tried to... I. I started off telling you earlier today when we were doing prep before the podcast that a friend of mine, uh, she had shared with me, um, but you know, I've heard this actually often in my life where I, I, I try to live a life where I, I do well by people and I serve a lot of people. I have good relationships with people. I'm very fortunate where I have a lot of uh, many good relationships with different individuals, but those relationships are usually set up in a way where, I'm serving someone or there's some situation that presents itself where I'm reaching out to do things for other people and I enjoy it and I don't want anything in return. Um, it's just a part of this a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but I had a friend say to me, she said this to me uh, years ago in church that she said, she said it was unfair that I allow people like I allow people to give me all of who they are and what they're dealing with and what they're going through but I never give myself to any other individuals. It's like, eh. My best friend told me that. <laughs> My childhood best friend told me that. I was like, eh. Exactly. It's like, eh, I, I hear you. Um, and so fast forward, this, this conversation happened two days, a couple of days ago, where uh, another friend says, um, says something similar, where we were talking about, co- you know, employees and coworkers that, you know, people, we, a group of us used to work together and we had very good relationships. And so we had, you know, good times with, that we would spend with each other. But the comment was made, so are you going to get everybody back together? And I was like, no, I'm not. Uh, oh, I said, we'll see, which means no, I'm not. Mm, we'll see in business terms, <laughs> meaning it's never no, happening. Exactly. So, you know, long, longer story short, one of the things that she, uh, she said was, she's like, well, that's wrong. She said, um, you, you go through this process of, you know, making a significant impact in people's lives and then, when you move on to some, you know, some new venture, you leave, like, I stop, I just, it's, and it's a bad thing, so it's not even worth laughing at, but, like, I cut, she, she said, you cut people off, you stop, like, and I don't cut them off, like, hey, we're not friends anymore, I just move on to the next chapter of my life, 
I'm only shutting up because uh, that's you too. Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> this mirror is too close to home. But I, I kind of talk about that to say, as we're dealing with grudges and talking about the whole process of grudges, I I've been stated and accused of, you know, especially by Trisha of being forgiving people too easily. So I don't. I tend not to hold grudges. I I don't have time for it really, but I think a part of me not holding grudges is, is me actually protecting myself from that the particular situation I just described where I don't allow myself to I don't I don't give myself to people too often. I am I hold back so when even when as we're speaking about grudges tonight, I'm going to be speaking about forgiving people and, and moving on beyond stuff. But I also know that I work from a deficit in a certain portion of my life because I don't allow myself to be given to people to the place where I allow them to hurt me or certain situations to come in to do things to me. So um, I think me getting over or what, what allows me to get over things quickly is because I only allow people into my life up to a certain space. I'm glad y'all don't have any video of what's happening with my <laughs> face because God damn. Okay. So <laughs> you know, when you start reading, like I'm listening to what you're saying and it's like words flashing in my mind and a lot of it's like danger 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 too close to home <laughs> start talking about something funny you know <laughs> i think you and i both have that thing we're like when it start getting a little too close you'd be like look at them shoes them shoes are funny as shit like what mm -hmm. but my god dude is so true and i think big time for me it's not even intentional Mm -hmm. for me to um, distance people or to not allow them in. I I'm just, I've trained myself so well that when people, when people go missing, I'm like, maybe they coming up, you know, maybe they trying to get themselves together too. You know, instead of like how, you know, in a friendship, like I have, I told, I told you last time, I have friendships of people that I love that I don't, feel the need like we don't have to always have like that like you come to my house I come to your house we have dinner all the time like that's not a thing because mm -hmm. usually my thing is you know I have my one of my best friends she'll send me a note and be like I love you and I'll send her that's a hug to me I said right. or mm -hmm. I'll send her and send kissy faces like to me that's that's more intimate of a relationship than you know going to work every day mm -hmm. and seeing the same people you know what I mean but it's not too many people in my life that I've allowed into my life. I've, you know, like you said, I can serve the best of them. You talked about that. Before. I can talk to people. I can understand your plight. You know, I can forgive you for the things that you feel like that are unforgivable for you. But like, my space is my space. People laugh because I have a bubble. And for years, my husband used to say, he was like, you hug me with your butt out. You know how like when you hug a person, mm -hmm. but you're like, I'm Except like, I'm like, we going, we going to touch from shoulder to shoulder, everything keep else. Keep your body away. You know? We call them church hugs. <laughs> you know, but he like, hey, I'm married to you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you bring it all the way in. Cause that's different. He your husband. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. You're right. So like, I had to learn how like the people that I care for, like I hug so they know that I hug them. And then, like, that's it. Like, that's our space for the day. Like, I'm peopled enough today. That's like a lot of love. That's one of the things. You know, we always, like you say, we usually hit on things. 
And see, I'm the opposite. I'm not a hugger. But when I hug, to me, the hug is supposed to be, when, when I say intimate, <laughs> I had a guy that, that my, a, 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 a guy friend of mine say to me today, he was talking about our relationship. And he was like, it's intimate, the right word to use? He said, because it's two guys. I said, yes, it's the right it's word. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I said, it's I said, okay. I said, I said, I feel secure. Do you feel you secure? Said, yeah, I was like, you know? nothing wrong with what you're saying. I said, you know, it's just, but it was just funny hearing him say, because I know he wasn't saying anything, trying to say anything in the Man, but he was like, but I know this is going to sound a little off but if I say it to you. It doesn't sound off. I, I told God. But it's going to sound off to us, you but, know, because we're like, you're secure in who you are and you're cool, but you have somebody cool. else. You know, when you're talking to young people or trying to have them understand themselves, you know, we are very quick to say to a kid, you know, your space is your space. You don't have to allow anybody into mm-hmm. your space. And then as you start to develop your friendships, your community, you know, uh, church connections, you know, work connections. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, so we got the two centimeter rule, five centimeter rule, who's allowed in this space. The intimate, the social, the The associates, the the defense, and all of those things. The offense where you like like fist bump, because you're like, you stay, my elbow locked up. They go three three feet is intimate. (laughs) Working in the security industry, I learned this. Three feet and in is intimate. That's intimate. That's close. Six feet is social because it's like, okay, we're cool, yeah, but we you're cool. Yeah. nine feet is like, I don't trust you, man. <laughs> like, well, say, what happens like, when your nine me. feet is like most of your life? Like, that's where I am. And it's, it wasn't even like a um, a grudge per se, because I laughed because like my mom was super emotional. Like she told us that we were beautiful. She hugged us all the time. She, you know, I'm like, I still, I do have memories of like I, maybe twice in my life, I've kissed our father on the lips twice, because you know that was his how he did things. You know what I mean? They can't see me. If they can see me. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm I know. Fist, 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 fist. <laughs> but I, you know, I do remember, and I remember like my mother always saying, you know, your mom and your dad, you know that that you know that's okay for your space, but even if we are too close in your space. Tell us to back up yeah, if you're uncomfortable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the grudge part, if I don't like you, you probably don't get to 12 feet. Like, I'm not even going to pretend like we social. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't pretend just for the sake of, like, showing face. Mm-hmm. You know how some people are like, no, no, no. You know, I really don't care for this person behind closed doors. And then, like, a party happens. <laughs> Sheila! I like nah motherfucker you got no chances to knock on my door but you see I think there are different areas where because I'm sure in a professional setting you have to do it yes you've never seen me sit across the table from a person I, I'm convinced that <laughs> you can laugh That's different. That's I, different. I try real hard to fix the RBF but it doesn't it just and, and I'm not going to knock you. I, one, I'm not knocking you. I know. I, think, I know. I think I know. that it's. I think it's. It's fair. And so. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just sorry. Uh, I, think, I feel like we jumped around in this first ten minutes, so I'm kind of bringing us back in a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it, it's I don't we apologize. Do. We, we did. We did well apologize. on our last podcast. Okay. I want to say that. And no, no, it's not. A, I'm not apologizing. If I did apologize, I don't mean it in an I'm sorry way. I just want to make sure we stick to because what we what we were trying to get to and what we're trying to describe is, I think, as a. Because when we get to grudges, it's what you're saying is relevant. What I was saying is relevant. We don't allow people to a certain place in our lives. But I don't. When I say that, I think that that can be interpreted different ways. 
Well, it could be a, it could be beneficial, and I know it could be to my detriment at times. And 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 the reason I think it could be beneficial is because when you recognize somebody shouldn't be in your sphere or operating within the world in which you are responsible for and can control, not in a professional setting or even in a professional setting, you you have to understand how to set those proper boundaries. And I think when you do set the proper boundaries, what it does is you help yourself so that you're not placing yourself in a position for that person to harm you. And then if they're not harming you, they're not, you, you, you won't have a grudge to have against that person. I think oftentimes where when we start dealing with grudges, for me, the people who matter the most are the ones who I have to forgive for certain actions and certain things that they do. And I would always tell people the way I live my life is, is I'm not concerned with other people showing gratitude towards me, but I'm very much into my family understanding, recognizing, and showing gratitude or appreciation. And when I say showing gratitude, not being like, so, oh, we praise you. No, I don't need that. What I need is I need my family to recognize the same way I should recognize what they do and what they bring to the family Mm -hmm. is what I want, you know, what I, what I, what I, that it only matters to me, the gratitude and the graciousness that is shown for my family. Outside of that, from a friend standpoint, I think there are things that have happened in life that I've made peace with and that I didn't have, I didn't hold grudges on. But I can say I've allowed those situations at times to kind of, for me to say, I'm going to cover myself from that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. going to put myself in that situation. Um, and I think sometimes where I say it's detrimental is, is because there are people who... Even as we were preparing for this podcast, I told you I met with uh, this doctor friend. This friend of mine introduced me to a doctor who works in uh, behavioral health and, you know, studies statistics and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once he introduced me to him, we got together and we talked for about two, three hours and we had a very good conversation. And he was somebody I was thinking about bringing on to the podcast. And he was like, well, you know, not saying I want to just jump on the podcast. He said, but I am very, he was very interested in how I talked about mental health, mm-hmm. how, you know, we handled the situation with Janae and all of those, or Lady J and all of those conversations. And he said, hey, I'll, you know, instead of you coming down, you know, to College Park, I'll come up to Baltimore and we'll, you know, we'll talk and we'll kind of do the project. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, I, he just wanted to build a relationship. He wanted to be the first of many. I didn't pursue it. I didn't pursue it. And, I I didn't pursue it because that was intimate to me. And that was not an intimacy I was looking for, not in a bad way, no. because he didn't do anything mm-hmm. to me. But when I was thinking we were going to get close for the podcast, I'm all in. But when it became a situation where I now had to open myself up and it's to like, a hey, possible let's, friendship yeah, like, versus let, an association. Yeah, like, let's get close. <clears throat> and as y'all call me, Lamont was like, like, <laughs> palm to the face palm let's, to the face let's, let's pause real quick pause and and it was funny because actually i'm actually going to reach out to that brother and step, let him know it's like you know what bro it wasn't I, you i'm not gonna say it was me but, <laughs> but I, I do want to apologize to him just to let him know that you know what he I, the wisdom that he has is what i should be looking to to benefit from and it's the, even with the wisdom it still becomes service at a certain point because I'm not, I'm careful to like let people into that friend zone. And you hear me dancing around it right now. I'm <laughs> dancing all around, like just let them in. And it's like, I don't know if I can do and it, but it has nothing to do with them. And even as it was said to me earlier this week, my thought went to, 
that's a deficit that I work from. So when we talk about grudges, like I'll talk about grudges from a family perspective and I'll be able to talk about things that I either feel that have been done to me or even for those certain friends that have been happened and I had to work past it, work through it. Now I can tell you where I can do it. We're not going to do it. I'm not going to continue to talk because I'm in supersonic range right now. Keep going. No, no, you you have to jump in, sis. But I will say there are a couple of places where I got a couple of church stories where I can talk about how I've had to make peace with certain things that have gone on. It's like, sure enough, like, damn, that was that was that was hurtful. And and from a professional setting, I, I think I could speak well there um, because there are things that have harmed me and hurt me that place that I didn't hold on to, but. Like I say, from a personal standpoint, your brother will be, like I said, <laughs> home to the face. Like, I don't let many people close in. I mean, I, um, like I say, service all day long, but letting people close in, I, it, it's, it, and, and like I say, I don't boast about it because I know it's there, but I also, but like I say, I, I, I've maintained a certain stability in my life and certain mental wellness where I don't rob people. I guess I don't know. I, I guess I would have to listen to people like do an intervention where people would tell me because I didn't let them like, yeah. you know, take care of me or serve me in some way where how that's been detrimental. Yeah, to but me. you got you got to put your nose down, put your eyebrow down, and listen to what they got to say. You be squinting at them like they talking and you reading like, mm, I don't know what that's, I don't know what they talk about. Hmm. <laughs> and we'll be back. Lovely. Go ahead. Come on, man. Okay. No, it was just so, that was good. No, that was good. So I think for me, my childhood kind of dictated my perception of things. So I grew up, my mom, my brother, and I, for the most part. And then we had family members who came to stay with us at different times. Mm -hmm. And then we had like family friends that came to stay with us. So it was always kind of like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've said in previous things, they just took my mom's kindness for weakness and played on the, the, played the sympathy mm-hmm. card, you know? So I knew that I didn't want to do that because that I held a grudge against people for that for a long time. Mm. Just because I'm like, she's such a good person. And you see how good she is, but you try, you're going to be detrimental to her health for her stressing out about the things mm. that you're doing outside and then bringing it into her house, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, you know, where I had, and things that I'm still working on, you know, I have an aunt that I refuse to talk to because, <laughs> not because I don't wish her well. I want her to be well, and I want her to, to feel um, spiritually sound. But watching what she did to our family while she was going through her destructive stage, mm-hmm. it's still a thing with me. Story. My daughter and I are in Kmart and we see her walk in. What do mm-hmm. we do? We hide behind some clothes. Oh, that's terrible. And as we see her go by us, we literally just leave the cart book out the door. We ain't got clothes enough. The officer's like, I mean, security guard, like, you good? We like, we just need to leave. Somebody just came in here and we don't want to talk to them. We get in the car and leave. Seriously. That's a lesson that you shouldn't teach a child. Mm-hmm. However, that's what we did, Mr. Tippity Tat. <laughs> um, you know, but 
so when it comes to like grudges, I absolutely am. I can hold them if I need to. However, what I had to learn was. Okay, we're back. You left. You left. I left off. Sears. Left Kmart. But when I thought about it later, I'm like, I let somebody run me out of Kmart and away from my beautiful towels that I was about to get. Like, <laughs> I was so hot with myself. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I showed my daughter, when you don't like somebody, you leave the things you want mm. and let them have the space. And I was like, uh, fuck that. We pause for the cause. Life left. Yeah. We ain't going to be running out no more damn game bars. That's not what we're going to do. So sometimes, you know, so I had to learn it. And even my mom, my mom tries really hard. She'll be like, hey, your aunt said hello. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. You tell her. Good. And my mom, she just tries. She's not, she's not forceful. What's what's the sticking point that's not allowing you to get to that place of putting it down or allowing it to pass? What? What 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 response are you expecting from her? What are you looking for? That's I don't want anything from her. You hear that? I don't want nothing from her. I sound like (laughs) I'm 17. This is the history, right? So, when I was eight and a half, nine, my grandmother passed away. My grandmother was living with my mom and I, and my brother, and my aunt would come and help take care of my grandmother, who had a trach in her throat. So my mom went away to like a trip or something, just like a day trip. Mm-hmm. My my grandmother, my aunt is there. My grandmother, you have to clean the tree to make sure you got all the slim and everything out and let it be okay. okay. All right. My mom went to training, knew it, got herself together. My aunt comes in. My grandmother's like, I have a lot of slim, you know, trying to get stuff. Not that she was well, but she was, uh, she was alive. Yeah. Let me just say that. My aunt, in her rage, snatches the fucking trach out. Okay? Ooh. So, now, we're calling 911. We're in the hood. 911 not responding to your call is not new. Mm. Okay? Fire department, I had to call back twice because they hear a kid, they think it's a prank. Yeah. Call back. Long story short, my grandma winds up in the hospital. A couple of days later, she dies. Ooh. Okay. okay. Now, Jesus loves the little children and he wants to forgive everyone. I'm still stuck in my feelings. Feel mm-hmm. like I had some more time with my grandmother. You know, and that was lost. <clears throat> so I call her the black widow. Probably not cool. <laughs> my mother has really learned in my my for through my mom, I hear my aunt say to my mom all the time that, you know, she's <clears throat> apologizes for some of the things that she's done and she really is trying to be more spiritually sound mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just repenting for the things that she's has. Cause as yeah. she's getting older, she's realizing, you know, maybe some Never things been. I did weren't so good. Mm-hmm. I ain't did yet. Not going to even lie. See, that's my longest grudge that I've held. But you know what? I think that's fair. One of the things that that's why I put out there, I think there's a process to moving past certain things. And I think that, when we try to move past things too fast or it depends on the makeup of the individual. And the reason I say that is because talking about forgiveness in word is easy. Mm -hmm. 
experiencing some experiencing having an experience in life and not being able to move past that it's human mm-hmm. and i don't think it always naturally happens that fast mm-hmm. and i think that when you're when you're working your way through either process there are multiple steps to getting there and you brought up it's, it's funny um you brought up something you brought up he said jesus you know forgives blood children check this out so i wrote this poem and i'm not gonna read the whole thing but it's just a few things that caused me to say where sometimes either when a person repents says they're sorry or whatever the case they can't get you can't get over it and so i wrote this poem this poem called i'm sorry can't not the entire poem but this is the beginning it's some it says sometimes i wish i'm sorry could change the story just by saying I'm sorry, God would receive all glory. It is a shame that I'm sorry can't take away all of the pain. No, saying I'm sorry will not take away the bad memory from my brain. Saying I'm sorry will not stop the fussing or the fight. Saying I'm sorry will not stop the tears that fall on my pillow late at night. I'm sorry will not stop the thoughts of revenge. I'm sorry doesn't mean you and I will once again be friends. I'm sorry just will not do when I feel you have done me wrong. I'm sorry are just words that aren't a part of my sad song. I'm sorry will not bring back all of the people that you have hurt. I'm sorry will not change the fact that some people still consider you a jerk. Like my sister lovely. I'm, I'm not a jerk. Not your jerk. You consider some <laughs> you consider some people a jerk. Not you. You don't you're not you're calling me names on no, no, no. I'm sorry doesn't make things right, even though it should. No saying I'm sorry doesn't mean all things will go back to being good. I'm sorry will not, I'm sorry doesn't, I'm sorry hasn't, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry can't. And I kind of stopped right there. And then I kind of like, it's a scripture verse that goes there, but like I wrote this, I remember writing this poem because, and this was, when I wrote this poem, I wrote this poem after hurting my wife. I wrote this poem after having multiple conversations and us talking and different things and 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 as we were doing this like i wrote this not from my perspective i wrote it from her perspective mm-hmm. and i wrote it from the perspective of you could say i'm sorry a thousand times you could you can go through all of these different processes but it was not going to change her experience mm-hmm. and because it wasn't going to change her experience i you know i wrote the song like i'm sorry i can't and because there are going to be moments and there, there has to be a part of the process of being able to experience the pain, you know, internalize what's going on, then learn to grieve what you feel like was lost or what you feel like was taken away from you. And then you start to rebuild from there. And that, that's a process. It's not like today. This, now, some people can do that. I've seen, we, we, like I say, in the case of the young man who forgave the, the, the cop who shot his brother, I've seen people, I, I heard a story today where it was a mother who who helped to exonerate a, a guy who was wrongly wrongfully convicted of killing her her daughter, you know, and you know, going through this whole process. And I've seen many stories. I've done of people, that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I forget. You know, my thing is, and what I say all the time. You know, I really do practice what I preach. I'm super big on that, even when it hurts, because I think as a person, sometimes when you have to heal to yourself because you'll be going through something and you know that who you are genuinely as a person is not the person that's reacting to the situation. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I, you know, I've been open. My husband and I went through a really bad time in our marriage and he had an affair and it was, when I say devastated, like, I don't mean it was a sad moment. I mean, it was absolutely life altering. Mm -hmm. Like our lives haven't been the same, the same sense. I'm glad they're not because it's way better now. And it sounds like it shouldn't be, but it really is way better now. But I decided probably like in the first two weeks that I was, I couldn't hold on to the grudge. I had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about it, but I was not interested in the detriment to my health or his health. And I'm of the belief that if you decide to stay in a situation, you have to work it out mm -hmm. and you can't work it out throwing it back in each other's face mm -hmm. because I had to accept the grudge that he had against me for any of this things, these things to happen. Mm -hmm. Not that I, I did not walk him into nothing, but I had to realize that there were some things about me that caused him to feel the way he did. And he had grudges against me that I didn't know about because I was too busy being perfect mm -hmm. in my own way, mm -hmm. you know? And I knew I wasn't perfect. Shit stank all the whole nine, but when you are dealing with two people who are holding grudges against each other and you're trying to be in a relationship and nobody's telling the truth and everybody's pussyfooting around mm -hmm. what the real issue is. And then when that collides with something so devastating that it alters the way you see your life, mm -hmm. you have to decide really soon. Do I tackle this? from an emotional standpoint, a factual standpoint, mm -hmm. a spiritual standpoint. And the truth is all of them. Yes. Because the, the facts at the end of the day don't really matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Because now you're dealing with the emotional portion of the relationship. Whether, you know, it's an affair or it's abusive talk or whatever it is Physical, that somebody... Mental. Yes. You know, you know, spiritual, what we have, emotional, yeah, factual, yeah. spiritual, mm -hmm. soul, or nonsense. You know, mm -hmm. when you have to really have those conversations where you know there's not going to be a good answer either way, mm -hmm. but you have to fight to keep going. Yep. You know, and you have to relinquish blame. And that's where grudges really end when you relinquish the blame. What I had to learn with my aunt was I didn't know her story. So what I did for me was I separated myself from the situation. I didn't put myself in any places where we would have to have conversations because I knew that I was still bitter. Mm -hmm. And even though I don't particularly care for her, I love her as my mom's sister. Mm -hmm. And I want my mom to feel comfortable when she's in a room. I don't want my mother to have to choose between me and her sister mm -hmm. because that's unfair for me to ask. Big time. You know, so my thing was, you know, and like you said earlier, it's I think when people hear we forgive easy, a lot of that is selfish. It's so that we can move forward with our lives without holding on to the baggage that emotional uh grudges hold. You know, I think so many times people, you know, you you have this grudge, you know, and you like you gain in weight. You stressed out, your blood pressure's high, mm -hmm. 
you know, you can't figure out, you, you going, you exercising, you eating right, and you can't figure out why you're still <laughs> sick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because literally life is eating you alive mm -hmm. and you can't figure out what to do. My thing was, I admitted, it wasn't even like a, ask God. I'm like, whatever my intuition told me to do is what I did. I'm still that way. I've always been that way pretty much. And when I've ignored my intuition, I faltered mm -hmm. in who I was as a person. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, my thing with grudges were, yeah, my father wasn't there. However, I know 100% that if he was in my life, shit would have been real different mm -hmm. and way harder. Mm -hmm. I don't think that if I, I don't know. I know it wouldn't have been better. Yeah. Because he had his own grudges that he had against life that he yeah, needed yeah. to deal with. And I didn't want and nor did anybody else need to be a part of him trying to decide what was going to happen. Because when you're not ready to be happy, when you're not ready to forgive, when you're still mad at something, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, you, when you 43 and you like, yeah, when I was five, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, and like you said, it's the steps that we all take, but you know, I know I hopped around from all these different situations, but at the end of the day, it was up to me to decide how I wanted to present me to myself. You know, I'm, I'm not a person who feels the need to act out character because, because Susan A, B, or C would respond that way. Yeah. I want to respond the way Lisa responds 100% of the time because I need to be consistent for me. But you said something that was very important, and I think that's where we, that, you say we forgive or we forgive easy for selfish purposes. I know that's not, when you say that, it's instead of selfish, I would use the term self-sustaining purposes. And the only reason I would say that is because when we forgive, it's so that we can sustain being who we are and living the lives that we want to be responsible and control of. Yeah, but, you, but the word selfish for me okay. is self-preservation. It's same, not always yeah. so the it's, negative. Yeah, we're talking about the same yeah, thing. So we, yeah, exactly. So we're talking the same thing. And that's, like I say, it wasn't a correction. The reason I, I put that, and I wasn't even changing it for the no, podcast. Yeah. I was saying it because the, the, the selfish, the word selfish to, to so many individuals can have a, neg to, like a negative connotation. It's yeah, like mental health. Exactly. It can mm -hmm. have a negative connotation. So what I didn't want to have happen or be said was, or even thought was, because I know, because I agree with you, when I make that decision to forgive, for me, moving on is like, eh, I'm okay. I've got a buddy I work with, and he often he often laughs because when certain situations are happening at work and everybody's kind of spinning out of control and things are going on, I look at him and go, eh. Put your pants in your pocket. It's like, I, I shrug my grab a sandwich. I'll be right back. I shrug my, shrug my shoulders and say, and he said, he said, he laughed. He said, because I didn't realize how often I did it, but I realized most of the things that get people's blood pressure boiling and things, things that make them so angry and they just, they just, so willing to hold on to it and like you say those grudges and the grudge is not because somebody did something to you it could be a grudge you can you know how people don't like other sports teams and, and cities and things like that coffee. Yeah. who made the coffee we make things so serious so for me it's like i've adopted and and from like you say from that selfish slash love self-sustaining viewpoint i move past things because it's not worth the energy that i'm going to invest in it's not worth the time that I choose to. And so I think when I when I hear you speak and when we talk to those things, I think that one like what I was a few of and, and we're gonna ask a few questions, but 
what I'll share with some of the to share with our listeners is one of the things, one of the reasons that uh, we take the steps that we've taken, even when we talk about our father, even when we talk about our upbringings and things of that nature. Like I was able to move past those things and I did get past, forgive, or get, you know, let go of a grudge because I wanted to be whole. I wanted to be me. And I actually get, there are times when if something bothers me and I see myself responding to something someone else did mm-hmm. and I see my character changing or my, mm-hmm. I get mad at myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I say to myself and my family nickname, I know what I go by on, on you know, on the podcast is light that that's a, 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 a nickname. I, you know, yes, he was a part of the thug rap squad. No, no not that really. Was a Christian rap <laughs> I got that nickname from a cousin who called me a big light skinned mother. And they started calling me Big Light. <laughs> exactly. So it Woo! was a shortening of that name. So no, just because people don't like saying "suh," just Lee. So. Suh. <laughs> but anywho, um, you made me lose my. I'm that sorry, was that was hilarious, you. man. Well, no, I, I know what I was saying. What, what, when Pete, when I find myself, if some situation or someone, if I see it bothering me, if I'm walking, if I'm driving. If, if I have music or whatever it is, on, I'll stop all of that stuff and I'll start having a conversation with myself. And I say, Chunk, what do you want to do? I correct myself and all the like, time. And it's like, what do you feel you need to say to this person? And so I say, say it out. And then I'll ask myself, okay, so now that you've said it out, do you believe if you say this to this individual, it's going to change something? Is it going to have an impact? Because if Hallelujah. you feel like it's going to have an Hallelujah. impact, Hallelujah. you should say it to them. And then if I say, no, it's not really going to do anything. It's like, okay, well, then what you can do now is you either say it, say it out to yourself again, just to get it out. Mm-hmm. And then once you get it out, that's it. If you're not going to say it to the person, and this is me talking to myself, stop running that thought through your head. That's me typing that damn email <laughs> with no name at the top, yeah. deleting the whole thing, starting over. And if I get, you know, partially way through and I'm like, eh, like, eh, mm-hmm. eh. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like, oh, so you was just mad because sometimes you get mad and hold grudges to things that hit too close to home. You know, it's not always like what somebody said wasn't true because sometimes somebody will say something and that shit will bite you so hard. Mm -hmm. You like, and and you instantly go into like protective mode. Your defenses kick up. You're like, which you won't. (laughs) All right, wait a minute. (laughs) That was kind of true. That kind of, that hurt. It stung. I need a moment to think about it. And I do. I take my time. I'll take a moment to think about some things. Because <laughs> sometimes you go you go off and then halfway through it, you be like, yeah, you're right. And then like, who were you talking about at the beginning? I don't know. I Your was... brother's so awesome. You know what I would say to people when they would say stuff that was true? I'd say to them, I accept what you just said. <laughs> But I still reject it. <laughs> I still, I'm no. still going to find, like, I, and I'm going to process that later. But right now, I'm still going to dig See, into no. you because I don't even like you. It's okay. But I you know what? But my thing is, a lot of the time when you say, yeah, you right, people pause. Because they like, because you know what? I realized in life, 90% of the people who come at you, they ready for like a big blowout. Like they ready, ready for like, to deny or, you know? or defend. Or and when you be like, yeah, you right. You fuck up the whole script. You diffuse, you diffuse everything. It's like, and it's not even like you were trying, but it's like, shit. I'm, you know, I have to accept responsibility. Yeah, yeah, like, for, yeah. You're right. You do it too often. You're right. I, I did. Yep. I still don't like you, but I did that, and that was wrong. <laughs> that was. I apologize 
for the wrongness. <laughs> not for not liking you grudge match one checkmate like you know you just like have a, but i like a lot too many times we are stuck in our heads and i like what you said say it out loud to yourself mm -hmm. and listen how it sounds because sometimes we want to bounce back at somebody and like when you listen to you you're like what 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 that's a bit <laughs> you know, not even... Look what she said. Just close the book on that yeah, one. We're yeah, gonna exactly, start yeah, over exactly. tomorrow yeah, exactly. with something new. You know, and I watch you when you know my uh, brother and I. We talk a lot about just work and personal lives, different things, people we run into, and a lot of times you have to do that in social circles where you're like in the space with somebody, and you're like, okay, game plan. Mm -hmm. You know. You need to give yourself because you don't want, and it's not even a trying to be fake or phony type of thing, but you still have a livelihood. Yep. You still have responsibilities that you have to take care of. And there are going to be times where you are with people who don't align with your idea of what's right. That's right. But it is also up to you to set the mood for yourself. You know, I can't dictate what a person says out their mouth. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't. And nor do I need to narrate you or uh, edit your thoughts. Yeah. I don't have time for that because I'm really working on myself. There's too many people in my head to deal with the craziness <laughs> that's coming out of yours. Exactly. But what I can do is make sure that my response is authentically me. You know, I think so many times we get into like these grudge matches because such and such don't like my sister. So now I don't like her because she don't like my sister, but I'm not really involved in it. You know, and obviously, as a, and it's funny. That's a a nice segue to uh, like some of the questions that we want to talk about on this podcast. So let's take a break, and once we come back from this break, we'll go into those questions because there are too many. There are so many people who do have grudges about things in society that have very little to do with themselves. Donald Trump, and we'll be back. <laughs> back <laughs> all right so let's pick up um questions so it says what a grudge does to you this is from author emily mitchell what a grudge does to you it ages you the anger frustration the anger frustration and sadness can take away your youth they are some rough looking people i'll be thinking that when i see some people thanks to an increase in the stress hormone cortisol an increase in cortisol has been shown to shorten telomeres located in the tips of your DNA chromosomes and linked to biological to biological aging. Mm. So it talks about how holding grudges can stress you. It's funny. You see some stars or some people live certain lives. You'll be looking at it like, man, they look old as a mother. Like, how old are you? Oh, you only 30? Yeah, 35. It's like, mm. really? Like, mm. You look good today. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the questions that you wrote down, and it's funny, um, it talks about, oh man, this is tough, because you, you have topics for each one, so we'll pick pick one and just kind of go there. Um, so it says, where, where are grudges appropriate? When do grudges affect your life? Why grudges, you know, why, why do grudges, do, why, why do grudges harm relationships? Um, and how can you release grudges? So several different questions. 
and I see in your topics category, the ones that I'll talk about, because I told you from a personal standpoint, I kind of keep a distance sometimes of letting people in, mm -hmm. but you have topics of emotional, stop moving, <laughs> emotional, I like how you say factual, spiritual, soul, nonsense grudges. So it's different types of grudges. Um, whew, that's a, that's a lot. I would, so the easy slot for me being someone who loves scripture, loves Bible, is going to quote one in my <laughs> delight side <laughs> at the end of this, uh, uh, podcast. The easy one for me would be to kind of talk about spiritual grudges. Mm, because I think it's there I, and I could, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spare the church today. What I will talk about <laughs> is actually being able to overcome a professional grudge and how, and it's so funny because, and I think this is key in overcoming grudges. So, worked for an organization for nine years. And when I say I love the organization, love the organization, love the fact that I was able to grow in it. Love the fact that it was structured. They had training, uh, opportunities, award ceremonies. You know, it was so many different things it that I community. I truly enjoyed about it. You felt you just felt empowered to grow. Okay. So organization then changes. The organization uh, shifts, and once the organization shifts, there's some changes and different people being brought into the organization, and my role within the organization changes. And instead of um, my boss, at my then boss at the time, sitting down having a conversation with me, he tells me about these changes on a Friday in a phone call at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And when he does this over the phone, one, I felt, it was the, the wrong way for it to be done because it's like, you know, I invested in the way I looked at it was because there was a, when I say a lot of time invested in this, I, I, I worked a ton. I worked around the clock. I, I put in long hours. But it was of service. I, I remember mm -hmm. periods of time where I would work 21 straight days, 21, 10 hour days from early in the morning to late even sometime beyond because I was that committed to making sure things worked. I remember you'd be like, hey, I'm going to go back to work after we have dinner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, and exactly. And I would do these different things. And in the process of doing them, mind you, it was joy. I still enjoyed it. And I, and I can't say that I wasn't rewarded financially. I wasn't, I was recognized. I received acknowledgments, all of those things. But when he made that phone call to me that evening to tell me someone else was going to be moving into the top slot. And I was going to go from the top slot to the second in charge. That it was a kick in the nuts. It wasn't a kick in the groin, the jewels. It was like a kick in the nuts, a shot to the stomach. It was such. I was pissed. I was so like I slept none that weekend. I was. I mean, I was up two o'clock in the morning fussing and talking and just replaying in my mind everything that I had, it wasn't even, a, I didn't even consider it a sacrifice, but everything I had given to the company, mm -hmm. everything. And it just wasn't that I didn't benefit because I had, and my family benefited from it. But when that happened, I felt like something that I had earned was taken away from me. Betrayed. 
Best friend. Yes, yes, I was crushed. And so I was crushed. I was pissed. And with that, you know, different conversations were had, different things. And so, you know, I stayed. And, and it was funny. I think the, the reward was, well, you know, we're not docking your pay. We're not like demoting. Like, like you, you keep your same pay like you're the number one. But you're not, you know, you're not the number one. And I know that some people is like, as long as I keep my money right. No, not when you work so hard. Nope. When that's when you've given your life to something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It 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 was different. So mm-hmm. let me fast forward a little bit. So this is when that situation happened, I processed it. It it because it hurt and I was so angry, I let it impact my work. And at the time I didn't think I was letting it impact my work, but I remember. I immediately started looking for other jobs. I started like I started to try to transition from where I was. And I remember like I just didn't when I say I didn't care, I went from dedicated to You hope I show up. F y'all. Yeah. I know I'm gonna show up, but guess what? I ain't gonna I'm like I was so it was the worst thing I could have done. And I didn't realize this until afterwards, but I basically for a six month period, my work was just garbage. My work had, was was absolutely awful. And in that time, what I was doing was I was allowing the new number one in, in this position. I was giving this individual opportunities now to take shots at me and to criticize my work and to do these things. So I was basically empowering the very individual that to me shouldn't have been in the job. Mm-hmm. But I'm now empowering because my work is like, I'm, I, I chose to decrease. Now, mind you, when this situation first happened to me, I didn't think my, I, I, I was pissed at them. Mm-hmm. I was pissed at them. I, I didn't like the decision, but because I allowed it to affect me, because I had this grudge, I let it impact my performance. Mm-hmm. I let it impact my judgment. And because I did all of those things, I jeopardized this career that I had built up to such an extent where, and, and I think I've taken you into my little home office over there, but I, you know, I got a wall full of plaques of things that I always tell people I'm not related to anybody. I didn't sleep my way to the top. I didn't do any of those things. I said, every plaque I have, every award, I said, I earned that. Mm-hmm. I said, not one person gave me anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, because I didn't kiss butt, I didn't politic. And so all of that work was now going down the drain because this is because of this grudge that I had. Mm-hmm. And it was so deep that at one point in time, it was, a, it was a startup that was happening. And I just didn't even care. And I didn't know a person wasn't going to show up. But then when I found out they were no longer with the company, instead of me showing up, I bailed on it. I bailed on it in a way where I should, I did, did I have to be there? No, but should I, should, was I always there in the past? Mm-hmm. I was. This time I was like, Nope, they don't care about me. I don't care about them. Because mm-hmm. it hurt it, so bad. And it blew up. And it blew up to such an extent that I got on the phone and I got a, a call from uh, the new number one's boss and my boss. And he lit into us, as he should. And that kind of woke me up to the fact of I'm letting someone else and something else control my destiny. Mm-hmm. And then I started to wake up. And I remember having the next conversation of, and I remember being on the phone. I was like, dude, and I, I'm, I'm talking to, because as I'm being chewed out on a Sunday, 
I say to them, it's like, do you think I like hearing your voice or hearing this person's voice? I don't want to hear from either one of y'all. I don't like giving y'all. And when I say I don't like giving y'all the opportunity, not to realize I was giving them the mm. opportunity to do this. So I'm realizing at this point, I am the one who's creating these situations for myself because of a grudge that I had because of a decision that I hated or didn't like. And so at this moment, I was like, you know what? I'm still going to continue to look for other jobs. But once again, I'm talking to myself. John, you got to get this together. You, you will not let them control your destiny. Mm-hmm. You put a lot of years into this organization. It's your reputation. Do your job. Do your work. And it helped me to lock in. And I eventually left that job. And once I left that job, I left that job. And it was funny because when I first left the job, you feel vindicated. I didn't send, like, I sent out a, a mass email, but I didn't knock the company. I talked about my love for the company. Mm-hmm. I talked about it was my turn to move on. It was my turn to change, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I appreciated all the years, all the relationships, all of the different individuals. I just enjoyed it. So I didn't send some negative, nasty email mm-hmm. out. And then I moved on. And I remember running into the number, uh, the guy who they had given a job at a banquet. And I remember him sitting there. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I got to have all of this stuff. And I just can't wait to, like, let light into him and say all of this stuff. But I'm thinking, what's it worth? Was it really worth it? Does, does you, now, because I moved on, moved on to a new company, different salary structure, not a lower salary structure. Like, everything, like, it was not like my life got worse when I left. It was like, it things improved, but I still felt some type of way. Mm-hmm. And I say all of that to say what I realized and I learned real quick, because once I left, it gave me time to analyze myself. It gave me time to reflect and look. And even as I'm telling the story and I've told it already, all of those things that I realized I was doing, I didn't realize while I was doing them. Mm-hmm. I realized once I left and once, you know, at a certain point that this grudge was giving someone else authority and power over my life. Mm-hmm. And because I allowed this grudge to fester, it almost altered all of the work that I had done up until that moment, mm-hmm. because I chose to let this grudge be what it couldn't be, be what it shouldn't be, which was to have control and power and authority in my life. And so once I was now gone, I realized that one, I contributed to several things that allowed them to make the decisions that they made. I started to analyze myself and I started to reflect because you're not, I like, it wasn't just their decision. I realized what I had done leading up to that mm-hmm. that helped them to make that decision. And I started taking accountability and ownership. And what it did was then I started to become free. Then I was no longer mad at the company. I was no longer mad at the individual. And then the, the chains that were placed on me because I had this hatred and this bitterness in me was released because it was like, you have to understand the role you played in all of this and that you allowed to happen because of your response to your own actions. And once I did that, it started to free me up. And then I was able to move past that. And it was the coolest part about it was once I moved past that, then I was able to become who I was supposed to, who I I know I am. And then once I did that, then I was able to start kicking their butt. And when I would see them in the field, it wasn't personal about them, but it was like, yo, you know, I'm the best at this, right? Like, I don't know no operator that's better than me under any circumstance. And I'll tell people that all day long. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And so I even had a couple of competitors like, oh, I heard you said this about me. I was like, bro, I'm too confident in myself. And I said, I'm too cocky to even think about what your weaknesses are. I only talk about my good when I'm out there, bro. So don't think you're that special. 
And so you're not that special. I grew into this different individual because I had to let that grudge go so I can get to that place. Because as long as I was in that grudge, I was going to focus on everything they did wrong. Yep. And nothing that I contributed contributed to. And then once I actually was able to let the grudge go, I could realize that I was accountable for certain decisions and that I put myself in those places. And by doing so, freeing myself up allowed me to become and use all of the gifts, all of the talents, all of the skills that I was given and blessed with to be successful in the first place. But if I'd have held that grudge, you never would have. Known know, your greatness. And I still wouldn't be living it right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because I would still be bitter, still be focusing on them, yep. still be angry, and I would still be held bondage from this deep-rooted grudge that shouldn't have a place in my life. So I would say, like, I, I when is a grudge, where, where a grudge is appropriate? It's, it's funny. I think being hurt is appropriate. Mm-hmm. I think that acknowledging that something has impacted you is appropriate. Absolutely. But holding a grudge, I don't know if there's a place where it's appropriate. When do grudges affect your life? They affect your life the moment you allow them to have authority over the decisions that you start making. And they will change what's going on for you and your family. And you don't even realize it's impacting more and it's bigger than you. But when when do they have grudges affect your life? The moment that thing starts to be the reason you make decisions in life mm-hmm. is when that happens. Um, why why grudge is harmful to relationships, um, and, if, and like you said, this is not just about intimate relationships, but from a personal, from a professional standpoint, this grudge was harmful to the relationship because I allowed it to impact the work that I was doing, and it changed everything for me. It almost ruined. I've been doing what I've been doing for twenty five years, and in those moments, it changed this. Like, I knew how, I, and I not, didn't just know, knew, I know how good I am at what I do. And it had changed. I let this grudge change all of that. And the last one is, how can you release grudges? For me, it was accountability. It's not always somebody else's fault. And it's not always, and it's in, in life and in society, there are going to be so many things that you face that it's easy to point the finger at them. But the one thing you must realize is, is that you control you. You can try. You can't control the circumstances. It's said so often. You can control your response and the choice of actions you take. And it was my decision to act. It was my decision to forgive. It was my decision to move on. And even in moving on, like to just say, no grudges. And this is where I wrap up. No grudges towards the different individuals or people. Would I be cool with the guy that that took that slot if I saw him today? No, we're not cool. We weren't friends in the first place. So. I don't have to mm-hmm. have a relationship mm-hmm. with him. And so I would treat him like somebody I don't know. But the power was taken back, or I, I took my power back in the fact that, well, he was irrelevant before I met him. And now that I'm not, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have to do it. So when you forgive him, you get over a grudge, it doesn't mean it's like, oh, I got to go and embrace that person. No, I don't have to embrace him. They just don't matter in my life. And I, and I know I shouldn't matter in his life because I've moved on. But the only reason I do mad in this life is because I'm going to kick their butt, not kick it Oh, Lord, please, somebody take the wheel. Group. And we'll be back. <laughs> and we're back. There we go. So lovely. So lovely. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think mine's is going. I'm gonna touch the emotional and soul grudges. Oof. Yeah. You always gotta go deep. A little bit, cause you know, <laughs> it, it feels free. <laughs> I don't know how you spell that. Free. Um. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think mine's is kind of structural. So for me, I know that. Now I can look back and realize that I actually had a grudge towards men. Mm. So you you know it's like all right. So like I say, you know we have a absentee father. My mother's raising us, but she's also trying to be herself. She's mm. trying to date, find love again, and everybody who comes in to me is like a shit show. Now, I'm not sure if it was because I was a kid and I just was like, it's just us <laughs> against them. Or actually some of them were just craps, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you want such great things for the people that you love, I yeah. mean, even younger, you know, you want such great things that when people don't live up to your expectation and kids have expectations of greatness, most kids aren't like, they're not really interested in status quo. Like they think, that Cinderella is real. Like they really, you know what I mean? So like when you are watching your parents not be able to live their, what you feel is their fullest self, Mm -hmm. you know, you get bitter. And I remember growing up and just despising every man she dated. I mean, I was a brat, brat, Mm -hmm. bull rat. Okay. And (laughs) I would, curse start arguments i mean just because in my head i was like you're not worthy of the time that this family has to give Mm -hmm. if you're not going to do something great like she already had a husband who didn't do anything why should she bring somebody in else in who didn't do anything just judgmental yeah yeah yeah. okay so so then i start dating my husband at 14 Mm -hmm. okay so you have a 14 year old's mind on what love is going to look like Right, because I know everything. Pretty woman, bitches. <laughs> and <laughs> um, very know, sound judgment. I'm just saying, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. really pay attention to the prostitute John situation. I just didn't. But you know, so like you, you, you're growing up. I've watched that movie several times. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. It makes me happy, even though I know it's not appropriate. But Julie Roberts was pretty, and you know, whatever. Keep moving, keep moving. So I just admitted to watching Pretty Woman. It's okay. Times. I feel strong. Our relationship is just that much better. <laughs> um, no, but you know, so you figure you had, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, dating my husband, who also came from a background where he's in a household with a man who isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But his father passed away when he was 12. Mm-hmm. So you have oh, the grief. man in your mm-hmm. life that you haven't been able to grieve. You have another man in your life that you just don't respect, period. Mm -hmm. And you have no extra men in your life except for one who you even respect enough to listen to. Mm -hmm. Okay? So then along comes this girl who has no respect for men, but she wants to be in love. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's a PBS story for you right there. (laughs) So we, you know, throughout our relationship, we've had really detrimental conversations with each other because we weren't trying to fix a problem. We were just trying to express our anger. 
Mm-hmm. We wanted to explode on each other and then be in love. Yeah. Explode and then be in love. So you realize, I realize now looking back, because I'm holding a grudge against men. My husband is a man. Mm-hmm. I can't take advice from him. I can't take criticism from him. Mm. I can't I can't even take you look nice. Mm. I have to come up with excuses. You know, you know, you look good today. Thank you. You know, this dress, you know, those are nice shoes. You know, thank you for the shoes. Like I had to always apologize for looking away or, you know, trying to make sure that I looked the part, that I was a strong black woman, making sure that he knew I didn't need you. I want you here. Mm. So then we have a child. Now, all bets are off. Because this is my sole purpose in life. Mm. You are just here. I don't even know why you're here. Because I wasn't raised with a man who helped fix things. I wasn't raised with a man Mm. who could have a... I didn't even know what it felt like to have a conversation with my father, let alone my daughter's father. Okay? So now, we're raising this child, and here comes another child. But we're not fixing anything. We're just freight training that shit into the ground, all right? We go through life, we have really good times, really bad times, but there's no, on both our sides, neither one of us understood each other because we didn't understand ourselves. We hadn't even dealt with how we felt about the death of his father, the lack of structure, um, his, what I later learned, his uh, discernment with women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hadn't dealt with me really having the daydream of love, not understanding love, the grudge I had against all men because all of them were shit because they won't leave you anyway. Like at the end of the day, I remember saying when I was like 22, yeah, I believe in divorce. If you don't like something, just leave. Mm. You in a relationship with a baby, and if that's your mentality, you you already set yourself up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, throughout our relationship, it had always been like this really weird thing. I wanted to prove that I could be the best girlfriend, mother. I hadn't even thought about the wife side yet. And he always wanted to prove that he could be just him. You mm. know? So it was always a friend. It was always something that was just off and I would address it because, but he's coming from a grudgeful place. So I was being a nag. I was in his shit. I was already in the grudge. Mm-hmm. So everything he did was just wrong up front. Okay. So then we have these kids and I'm in bougie ass single mother mode. That's what I call it. My kids, my kids, my kids, whatever they wanted, whatever we could do. And I mean, to their advancement, you know, chess, soccer, band, you name it, trying to make sure that they had the life that I didn't have. But what I look back now and realize, I wasn't including my husband in it. I was dragging him along. Mm. And, but flip side, he didn't know how to be a father. So he was just going along with it because other dads were doing it too. But it was no connection. I wasn't connected to him the way I 
could have been had I been fully open. He wasn't connected to me. So we go through a point in our marriage where there's a particular person who who's who now shows up. But I'm so stuck in my this is my perfect life that I not I totally was ignorant to the fact that anything bad could happen in general. Mm-hmm. He, he would never do that. I didn't ask, are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Is this happening? Because I was so 100% sure. Because look at me. I work full time. I'm a mom full time. Do you see how strong I'm trying to be for our family? That's the way I came off. You know, it was like a crumping event, but emotions like this. We were just every day. It was something, you know, but okay. (laughs) So now I'm having to over time argue my place in his life because now said person is more important because this person is giving him the things that he wants. Mm -hmm. Right. And I am asking questions. But I'm not being true to myself by asking the correct question. I'm dancing around that shit. I didn't samba and rig. I rig. I didn't wind around it. But I never asked any particular question. Okay. So we now are at the point where it's years of this song and dance. My children are, they're prospering. So I think. Mm -hmm. They're living this life. So I think. And I start getting sick. And my depression is like off the charts. Like days in the bed. Three months crying straight. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to work when you're crying? And it wasn't crying because I was, I couldn't, I couldn't formulate the emotions or words to tell a person what was happening in my heart. Wow. Right? So it all comes to a head. The I get a text message. My husband confessed to the whole thing. I'm sitting at my desk at work three o'clock on a Thursday. I was so numb that I took notes. That's why I laugh at you when you say, I was watching TV and I took notes. I took notes of the conversation I was having Mm. because I had questions. But I had shut down so far because life is happening and I'm that person. But there are things you have to do before you fall apart. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I have to, uh, okay. So I, I leave here at five and I have to pick up my son. And then I have to make sure that the kids don't find out because I don't want them to be a part of this. But I have these questions, like a notepad of just questions. Okay. The chick is texting me because she's, getting all her shit out and dumping it on me. Mm-hmm. I'm on the phone with my husband who's dumping his shit on me. And and I'm holding it together at my job while people are walking by me asking me questions. And I get off of work. I pick up my son. And I lose my shit. I mean, I don't mean regularly lose it. I mean, like, I'm doing 85 on 695 with my son in the passenger seat trying to get home because I'm going to parkour out of my car and beat this nigga's ass. Mm. But my son touches my shoulder 
And he's like, mom, we going to deal with this. Okay. Cause I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm on a speakerphone. I flip shit. Yeah. All the composure that you have. Cause I'm like, I've given him all my, I've done what I've done, what I've done. And I remember getting home and he wasn't there. Thank you, God. Mm. Seriously. Because what it did was I went upstairs. I changed my clothes. My emotions calmed down and my sense kicked in. I'm a factual person, quote unquote, <laughs> because I like to make decisions based on how it's going to affect me in the long run versus how I feel emotionally at the moment. I've always been that way because my emotions are all over the place sometimes. And I know that how I feel right now is usually not how I'm going to feel even in 15 minutes. That's right. Mm -hmm. So we, we have this conversation. It's ugly. And I called this meeting with our moms and my stepfather and the children. We all sit at a table and all grudges on the table. This is a say what the fuck you mean moment. And that's what I said. We at this table, any grudges that we have in this family, we're going to put this shit on the table. And when we leave from this table, you are not allowed to carry it anymore. How you feel about it mm. is over. I'm not going to lie to you. It was one of the most forward things I've ever done in my life because what it, what it did was it allowed me the vulnerability to cry in front of people that I normally wouldn't cry in front of, state my truth, mm -hmm. and look my elders in the eye and be like, why didn't you talk to me about this? Because they're looking at us broken. I'm watching myself in my mother's eyes. I'm watching myself in my mother-in-law's eyes and their regret on their selves, their past. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law can't even pick his head up. He's just lost. Because mm -hmm. he's like... And we... The kids got to say what they needed to say. The parents got to say what they needed to say. A lot of heart, heavy-hearted things came out during that time. And we really just banged it out right before we left the table. I said, this is not the last time we're going to do this. Until we all feel better about who we are and we feel like we need to, and we feel responsible for what emotions are going on with each other, I'm going to bring this shit up. And this isn't a grudge. This is a, I owe it to myself to ask you questions because you affect my circle. You are my family. Mm. We're not going to do this. After we had the conversation and everybody goes home, I locked myself in the closet because I was like, bitch, you going crazy? Because who does that? Who does that? In the midst of your, the the moment where you feel like your whole yeah, world is mm -hmm. shifted. Mm -hmm. I, you know, my thought was, we're holding all these secrets. We're holding all these grudges. It's so much negative energy in this room that if you have to, if you have to tell the truth to the people who mean the most to you and you can't, then it's not, this relationship isn't viable. But if you can tell the truth to the people who mean the most to you, when you at the darkest moment, then you, there's hope. There's something in there. So we've been working on it ever since.
And it took a long time. I mean, in, in my soul grudges, in my soul, I learned to forgive that woman because my thought was, I don't know what it feels like to be a person who is in love with someone and you have no closure. I don't know what it what it feels like to be someone who feels so lost that you allow yourself to be fifth, sixth, or tenth best in someone's life. To be so vulnerable, to sit and wait for someone mm-hmm. to come to you so that you can feel happy. I don't know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So I can't keep judging you. I didn't marry you. I married him. I'm responsible for what happens with us. You have to be responsible for you. And I mean, she had her emotions or whatever, but she left shit alone too. It court ordered, but you still, if you want to do some shit, you find a way, you know? But my thing was, it took everything that I was. I literally thanked God for breaking me. So that I could become the person I am now. Because I wouldn't even be able to do this podcast now if you would have dealt with me before. Not that I wasn't honest, but I was so cocky in the way I thought of shit that I'm like, what? And now I can be like, no, you can go from broken to repaired to premium to super fucking glowing on different days. And not that we don't still have our moments. There's still moments where we have to like literally sit down and be like, I can see the look in your eye. What are you thinking about? But what I appreciate now is that we can be walk riding down the street. I can have a thought. He'll look over and be like, what you thinking about? Because something just went past your face. Before that, we couldn't even see each other. We couldn't have a conversation. I couldn't hear him talk to me because I was narrating the conversation in my head. So everything he said was critical. Now when he talks to me, I can hear the I can hear the care because he cares. It's so very different. So for me, the grudge that should have been this whole dramatic thing, you know, we see all real housewives and people, you know, I remember living in neighborhoods where like, you know, people was like thrown out, they burning shit in the front yard. You know, that's how a lot of people are taught they're supposed to react when the pain is that deep. And the truth is, is that most of us, as angry as we are, just want to be left alone to figure out what the fuck we need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we don't need your movie to dictate how our life's supposed to go. But when you live in an area where you feel like you're going to be embarrassed or you're going to be, I didn't care. I didn't care what other people thought about my house. And with my house, I mean, my, my family, my mom, you know, all of us, I really cared about us. And I remember going through that. And then you and I, we decided we've had dinner and I talked to you and you looked me straight in my eye and was like, I like how you handled it. And if you need me, I'm here. I need nothing else because you and I hadn't solidified our kinship, Mm -hmm. but to be able to tell you and to have you come back at me in such a very Lisa-like way, you know, no judgment, no pity, just like, shit, you're going to do some human shit right now. Yep. And, uh, do you want an extra piece of fish? <laughs> you know, 
crab pigs. You had crab pigs. I had rock fish. There you go. You did. You know, and it was just a blessing. And I'm not saying that everybody can handle that. I'm not even saying that everybody should have to deal with that. Unique in a way. And I still marvel at you. I remember the first night. I remember that night when we sat down because we hadn't. We had lost touch. Yeah, and I remember when it, when it first happened, because I had shifted, and it's so funny how the story's time, because I had left the other job. Mm-hmm. And when I left the other job, I changed phone numbers. Yep. So you and I... Hadn't been able to talk. Yep. Yep. And, and I still had your number, but I just, I was shut down. And so because I was shut down, when you were going through that moment, you couldn't connect with me. And I remember you sitting at the table, and like you said, because of your relationship with men, you, you and, talked yeah, about, you said, the one, you said the one man that you did the that because I could love you as a brother, no ties, no anything. And that crushed me when you said it. <laughs> because in my moment of selfishness, <laughs> of protecting myself, because when I changed phone numbers, I was like, I'm just going to take a break. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to take a break from everybody. I said, I just need to, I need time to, like, I need time to mentally process and just, I needed time to grieve is what I needed time. Absolutely. And Absolutely. because I needed that time, while you were kind of going through, I, I, you know, I didn't even reach out to people because I don't even think I reached out to you for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I think it was after I don't, it was birthday or Mother's Day, one of them two or something like that. Yeah, it must have been Mother's Day. I think it might have been. It Mother's must have been Mother's Day because we, I never remember, we ate in May or June. I yeah, know, right? so that was about Mother's Day. Yeah. So, but when you sat down and you said to me, when you said that part to me, you told me the story and you, you sat down with me and you said that. Like I said, I remember feeling bad because. Like I say, selfish slash self-sustaining in my moment, you would never know that that's what you, that my sister was going through. And then like the, the more amazing part, because the shifted from me to you, is when I hear your story, I'm still amazed to this day. Because like I said, there are so many different variations to how that can play out. Mm-hmm. And to be, like I say, thank God, with the talent, the gift, and the wherewithal to process it in the manner in which you did is truly unique. I've never heard a story like that before. Dude, I need, and I still sometimes, like, you know, like you have a moment, like you say, you know, you might be sitting down and they're like, what you smiling at? But you smiling at something you did like years ago, but you're proud of yourself because you did it. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that if you would have told me, you know, so this is what's about to happen. And then this is how you're going to react. I would have been like, bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> But like going through it, and it's still such an emotional stretch for me. I was like, I'm, I was in awe of myself, not in like a cocky way, but like, you don't know how much faith you have until you have to really dig in. Mm-hmm. I, it was, I didn't, mm. it wasn't like I was, you know a part of a church or have anybody, I would call my mom and my mom would just pray over me mm-hmm. for minutes. So you ain't gotta be a part of church. That's no, 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 I'm just saying, I know, I'm, but I'm just saying like- I'm speaking to the podcast, yeah. not to you. So don't think sure. I'm speaking to you. Yeah. I'm speaking to anybody who will be listening to this yeah. because that's a misnomer thinking you need. Yes, God is enough. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, and my mother would, she would pray over me and she would cry with me. And, you know, you know the kids would, rally around me you know like they would they didn't know what to do so they did the best they could they would crack jokes so if they saw me sitting and moping they would come up with something that we needed to do you know and in addition to that my husband 
became his truer self. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to live in the light because he had not done that for so long mm-hmm. that I really think the truth set him free, you know, mm-hmm. because now, I mean, when I say we had conversations, I'm a thinker. I can come up with some questions that like you probably shouldn't ask because you might not need to know that. Like, why would you want that in your mind? But when you're going through something like that, you need to have somebody who is willing to hurt your feelings and tell the truth so you can make a full decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of the times betrayal hurts because somebody took your power away from making a decision for yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you feel betrayal because you're like, I'm smart enough to say yes or no. But, you know, so I was it was a absolutely that learning how to let that emotional grudge go, learning how to let the your soul open back up because you can go into such a desolate place when you hold those grudges. You know, I watch people who have been betrayed like that and they never date again. They mm-hmm. never get married again. They never forget. And they just die. You see the yeah. light in their eyes die. And I just knew that I didn't want to do that to myself. But what also helped me, the truth was, when you and I had our conversation and that non-judgment let me know that there are people in the world who truly are working on forgiveness. You know, I think so many times you hear people you know, who who come from different lives, church, whatever, talk about forgiveness all the time, but can't live that life at all, you know? And I didn't like it, you know, and I say all the time, I still have my moments. I still feel broken when sometimes when I think about what happened, but it's not a grudge anymore, you know? So (laughs) that's my story. You say, and I'm sticking to it. And you're funny. And I'll give a pause because we do this. It's funny when you say that you segued me on a couple of things. One, powerful. If you're listening, one of the best, when I say best stories, I'm in awe because it's the strength that you know is divine and given to an individual to live out, to be an example, even if you can't do it because it's not saying you do it. I'm in awe because I love seeing the power of God work through an individual. And that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. So you just said something about you still have times when your mind goes there. And and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's in in one line in a different poem that I wrote. Um, uh, I said, I was was told that the righteous, we would receive our heart's desire. Well, my dreams have become nightmares and my heart is on fire. And like, when you're going through different things in life. And when you're going through moments, um, when you're going through moments, like I always, I, I said another d- different poem, like Satan loves the press rewind. And just, just like, dig it in. And just, and just do and it dig again. It in. And it is over and over again. And so, and it, that like the thing that you would love to do is you would love to run from that moment. You would love to just get away, but it, it always follows, but it's always there. And so, when it comes to being able to forgive and get to this place of forgiveness, you say some can't. I know we have some pointers that you're going to point out. I'm going to give you my light side, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you all of it, but I'm just going to give you my light side. Um, and you know, I love to write poetry. Um, 
I had, and it was so funny when we did this. I told you, I started off with the poem, I'm Sorry Can't. Mm -hmm. I wrote a poem called Failing Forgiveness. And I also wrote, wrote a poem called Forgiveness and Its Power. Mm -hmm. And in the poem, Forgiveness and Its Power, it taught, you, you stated there are people in church, there are people who are believers, there are people non-believers, whatever. But those who are believers, I'm, I, and this is where I will focus on, those who are believers, we talk about forgiveness, not realizing that if it's not for forgiveness, we're not in a relationship with God. And the reason I say that is because for those people who call themselves believers, it's because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Right. And so that ever the, the, the giving of the son was because the world and those who are born and everybody not commit a, a and act. The scripture teaches that people are born in sin. And because we're born in sin, we need forgiveness, not because we did things wrong, but because we're born in sin because of what Adam and Eve did. So something that had nothing to do with everybody caused this offense to our God. And because he was offended, he said, because I'm the offended party, because I'm the one who was betrayed and I'm the one who was wrong, I choose to forgive you. Mm -hmm. That's what our faith, that's what the Bible teaches. But yet we struggle with forgiveness. And so I wrote this poem and I'm not going to read the entire poem. But it's called forgiveness and its power. And so, sis, when I when I when I hear you speak, and when I hear you tell your story, my thought runs along the lines of that's the epitome, and that's the pure essence of forgiveness and the power, because it takes power to be a forgiving person. So in the book of Proverbs, it says, Whoever forgives someone's sins makes a friend, but gossiping about the sin breaks up friendships. Mahatma Gandhi says, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Powerful. To err is human, to forgive is divine. Lord, show me how to forgive others' sins as you have forgiven mine. I was thinking the other day about the power of forgiveness, how we don't recognize this power and often fail to live this. We hold grudges and are bound by much weaker forces, contempt, anger, and bitterness often become our life courses. Forgiveness. Lord, we don't recognize the power of this word. We are told over and over again to practice this verb. Or maybe we forget that forgiveness is a noun, a dismissal, a release wherever wrong actions are found. We are reminded for us, you did this very thing. In Ephesians 4.32, it says you forgave us through Jesus, our King. In Psalm 103, your word says that you remember that we are dust. So you forgive. So you forgive through Christ and as, long, as long as it is in him we trust. You forgive and save. You instruct us to live like you. Your word says this happens when we model your son who is true. He is the very image of our father in heaven. He taught forgiveness should be given to others 70 times 7. No, he wasn't teaching that we should stop forgiving after 490 times because when we are not like him, our father forgives us time after time. And so I'll stop right there because when we fail to forgive, we fail to be like the God who forgives us. When we fail to forgive, we fail to reconcile and draw people into a relationship because the offended party has the right. The offended party is the one who's actually the one 
even though they feel weak because of what's happened to them, that is the person who has the power to pick up when they don't want to pick that person up. They're the person who is the one who can say, I can save you from your sin. I can save you from your transgression by forgiving you and reconciling with you. And when you choose not to, you not only condemn that person, but you condemn yourself to a life of, like you say, no more relationships, no more dating, bitterness, contempt, and anger. So when we fail to forgive, that's the life that we choose. Amen. And we'll be back. And we're back. Yeah. Did you see how I did it? And I see. Back. Yeah, that was a that was a different one right there. Um, to my lovely moments, kind of tie along. I'm always trying to give tools on how to better preserve yourself, your mental health, things that you can do to check yourself and also work on healing yourself, your family, your friends, your, surround, your surroundings. So it said, what are the, the effects of holding a grudge? Um, bringing anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. Become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. Mm. Become depressed or anxious. Feel that your life lacks meaning or purpose or that you're at odds with your spiritual beliefs. Lose valuable and enriching connect connectedness mm. with others. Mm. And let me just say this before I even tell you how to forgive somebody. <laughs> okay. I want to tell you that I have absolutely been each bulletin point. And so many times you're told to, you know, uh, get out of it, you know, check yourself. Mm -hmm. um, be a better person. No, you have to feel each feeling because you want to make sure that, you know, the great thing about life, the great way thing that how your brain works, how your heart works, it really does aim to teach you lessons and work on forgiveness for yourself. If you don't allow yourself to go through the emotions, you're going to skip over some of the most important lessons you can learn in your life. I'm not saying that being depressed or anxious or anxiety is fun, but what I will tell you is that if you don't allow yourself to feel the dark moments, if you walk over top of the next step, you're going to miss part of your healing. And too many times we feel like being upset, angry, mad, um, unforgiving at moments, pessimistic, and sometimes just plain pathetic. We feel like that's not a part of how real life works. And really those emotions make you a real person because without those emotions, you wouldn't be able to forgive. And forgiveness of grudges, some of the point is where you have a healthier relationship with different people. You improve your health. You have less anxiety, stress, and hostility. <laughs> you lower your blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improve heart health, improve self-esteem. And listen to me when I say the loveliest moment you can have is when you can embrace your broken self and celebrate the healing that you have 
endured as you move forward. There is a history that you should have with yourself. You should know your boundaries. A lot of the time, these different emotions that you go through, they set up boundaries for you so that you know how to better protect yourself and you know how to handle the grudges that come along. And you learn how to forgive people, not for them, but for you. And as Light said, in forgiving them, you allow them a chance to learn how to live a little bit better next time. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. We know this was a little heavy with some of our laughter, but we really want you guys to understand that we are two humans. We're walking this world, trying to figure our way out of the different dark times that we've had and to celebrate the light, get that, that we have. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Peace. Thanks for listening to All Up In Your Business podcast with Light and Lovely. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Instagram at All Up In Your Business podcast. That's A-L-L-U-P-N-U-R-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S podcast or personally at Light In Your Biz, L-I-T-E dot N-U-R-B-I-Z or at Lovely Brown, L-O-V-E-L-I-B-R-O-W-N. Or on Facebook, just search for All Up In Your Business. Please leave us a review on the podcast you're listening to. We appreciate your support. Peace.